Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. So I always appreciate the the full introduction and our team prays beforehand, before the service, and really just engages the Holy Spirit about what the Lord is doing every time we get up here, because we want to be very intentional about stewarding what God is doing um, and never getting up here to speak about whatever's just, you know, sounds good or feels good for the moment or, you know, things that we might think in our own wisdom is, a, is where we need to go, but we're always prayerful about those things. And so just stay prayerful during the service because what was prayed and what Missy was touching on, I believe, is something that she shared it with me right before the service and i don't fully understand it but i can feel it in my spirit for sure um and i don't i don't know i don't know exactly what it is but i know that it is heavy um and tonight we want to we want to just teach about give an impartation about a level of extreme ownership an extreme honor that God is pressing us into. Um, it's not out of a place of expertise, but it's out of a place of forward observation. I believe as, as fathers and mothers, you go first, right? There's things that we've experienced that our kids have not that we teach our kids about. doesn't mean we're experts in those things, but we've been through some stuff that they haven't been through. And when you, uh, when you operate as a forward observer, you go forward, you observe what's happening, and you come back and you report back. And I believe that's, what, uh, that's what's happening tonight. It's more of a conveying from a place of forward observation. And I want to talk about extreme ownership tonight. And just to give some context, if you think about where we've been, Apostle Tanya has talked about she's kind of located us in the grand scheme of things we're in a transitionary season that could be anywhere from one to 200 years at a time and kind of the ages that we've been through and the age that we're going into. And part of her given that context was kind of dismantling, taking apart, breaking down rapture theology so that we can all understand, uh, we can basically understand the mindset that's tied to rapture theology. The escapism, the the non-ownership, the uh, we're going to get taken out of here anyways. We're not going to have to overcome certain things because we're going to get taken out of here. And if we examine our thoughts and we take them captive, we'll realize if if we were ever really tied to or, or ever really thought about that or studied that or believed in that, you will find when you capture your thoughts that there are there is a mindset that's tied to that rapture theology, right? So Apostle Tanya did a great job of locating us in the grand scheme of things and then dismantling a mindset that had to be addressed in order for us to fully step into where we're going because that mindset, had it, had it been allowed to remain, would undermine everywhere God's trying to take us. He's taking us into an extreme level of ownership and you can't, you can't walk in an extreme level of ownership if you're just renting something. 
if you haven't paid the cost for something, you can't own it in an extreme way, right? And so you can see how this new age where he's taken us into and what he, how he wants us to walk was in direct conflict with that type of theology that is so prevalent. And it's mostly prevalent because it's just what we've heard before, right? We're, we're trusting that maybe somebody saying something or teaching us something is because they've gone forward and they've observed it from a place and they're coming back and they're teaching it to us, right? But we have to study it for ourselves. We have to study these things for ourselves. So just a kind of a recap of where we've been and why that was important to teach about that because the mindset that is so often, not all the time, but so often attached to that type of theology would be in direct conflict with where we're going. Does it make sense? So I'm going to say, I'm going to make a few statements to kind of proceed the teaching tonight. And I want you guys to write this down and I want you to think about it. And then I'm going to pose a question at some point tonight that I really want to challenge you. Um, And it's something that I really want you to think about and take an inventory when I ask you this question. But I want you guys to write this down if you can. When you walk in the genuine dynamic of kingdom, family, or dwelling, ownership is a natural byproduct. When you walk in the genuine dynamic of kingdom, family, and dwelling, ownership is a natural byproduct. So think about this. I mean, think about this dynamic. When you just walk in covenant with somebody that causes you to be, to identify as family or causes you to dwell with them, I believe one of the commanded blessings is that you will walk in a level of ownership that you never would have prior to that. Okay, here's another thing I want you to write down. Inheritance precedes a level of ownership that you cannot achieve yourself. Inheritance precedes a level of ownership you cannot achieve by yourself. Think about it. Your parents, your your literal father or mother is has has worked their lives to to build up and to invest and to own and to create wealth in order to leave it to their children their children because of that inheritance are have the potential to walk in a level of ownership that they could not have done was it for the generation before them amen all right, here's another one I want you to write down. And this is, this is, I believe, basic kingdom principles, how God is, not only who he is, but how he is. And it's kingdom basic, absolutely simple, but profound principles that he wants us to understand that he's calling us. At, now, remember, as he's calling us back to the origin, a lot of people will say, oh, well, 
you know, you guys are getting way deep. You guys are getting way far. And we're really not. We're just getting way basic. We're getting extremely basic to a level of understanding of the original intent. And to people that are off track or, you know, speaking to ourselves, we've gone, if you look at the last seven, eight years, we've gone down a track and God is unraveling all that to get us back to the original intent. You cannot dispossess giants unless you take possession of the land. So in other words, think about your life. Think about the the challenges that you face. Think about the problems. Think about those things. And you cannot deal with those problems unless you own everything associated with those problems. If I own a house, I'm going to own the problems. If I'm a renter in a house, guess what I'm going to do when the, when the pipe bursts? I'm going to call the person who owns the house. And they're going to come and deal with it because they own it. Right? When, when the Lord called the, the nation of Israel to, to go and take the land, part of what they had to do was deal with the problems in the land. Right? But he had already prepared them for that. Okay? Now, when we talk about possession, this is what we're talking about ownership. It's the Hebrew word yeresh, means to occupy, to inherit, to gain mastery over. So, when we talk about extreme ownership, and I believe part of just my initial impression when Missy's talking about uh, that there's no numbing. That whatever's being birthed, we're going to feel all the pain of it. Um, I, when I think about my wife and birthing our children, and she did four out of five children at home with no medication, no, uh, uh, what is it called? No epidural, no anesthesia whatsoever. And she birthed our first four children that way. And there's a level of ownership over that because of how painful it was. Right? And I believe part of this word is that that the extreme level of ownership that the Lord is asking us to walk in is that he's not going to, he's not going to let us just get through something without owning everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. He wants us to own all of it. To the point to where uh, there's an aspect of ownership that you just can't buy. You can't buy it. You can't pay for it. You can't trade for it. There's a level of ownership to where in our current situation, we have a house that we're trying to sell. I think all of you know about it. You know the situation that we've been in for the last several months, years, whatever, with this rental house. We renovated the entire thing due to a, a, a water leak that destroyed the entire house. We renovate it. We go through the process. We, I do most of the work myself. We do all this, and then we get it up for sale. We, I finish the process. We get nickel and dime to death. It's, it's every day spent over there focusing on that and nothing else. And then I finally finish the work, and it gets time to put it up for sale. And I just say, I call up a buddy, and I say, hey, I want to pay you. I want you to sell the house. And what I'm realizing now is that there's a level of extreme ownership that the Lord is pressing us into, not for the sake of the house, 
but because there's a level, it, it, the emphasis in this is my ownership, not what I'm owning. The emphasis is on me possessing something, not what I'm possessing, if that makes sense. And so what happened was, as I look back in this moment now, as I look back, what happened was, is God is pressing me to such an extreme level of ownership. And I got to a place and then I gave what I'm possessing over to somebody who's, who's demonstrating a lesser level of ownership. And so what the Lord's asking me to do is, no, no, I don't want you to go 90% of the way in your ownership of this. I want you to go 110% of the way. Not for the sake of the house, but for the sake of my ownership, because what... Right? If you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. If you own little, if you demonstrate that with a small thing, he'll give you a bigger thing. Amen. So I believe that there's an aspect of ownership you can't pay for. There's, there's a process that the Lord is going to take each and every one of us through, whatever that looks like, that you can't, you can't hire somebody to further the process or the maturity of your level of ownership. You can't hire somebody for that. You can't rely on, I can't rely on Jason to mature my level of ownership that God's trying to press me into. Do we stand alongside each other? Absolutely. Do we encourage each other? Absolutely. Do we get in the trenches? Do we get muddy? Do we do all that? Yes. But I can't ask Jason to do that while I stay clean on the sideline. Which is basically what I'm realizing now, God's bringing clarity that when we went through this process, there was an end result. There was a finish line that he wanted us to get to. I went through the process enough to finish our house. And then I stopped short of the finish line and tried to pass the baton to somebody else who doesn't own what God's asking me to own. Think, think about this. Let me ask the question now. Let me, I want to challenge you guys with this question. If I ran like a spiritual credit check, let's call it. If I ran a, a spiritual credit check to see what everybody owns, I want you to ask yourself, what of the kingdom do I own? <laughs> and I'm not asking because I'm condemning you because, I, like I said in the beginning, this is not coming from a place of expertise. This is coming from a place of God's taken us through extreme ownership, and I got right to the finish line to where I could see it, and I handed the keys to somebody else and said, hey, can you just finish this? And God is so good. We have to be so careful because you can go through that process and not realize what's happening. You can stop short of where God wanted you to go and try to rely on somebody else to do it. And if you're not careful and if you don't pray about it and you don't understand what's happening and you don't take your thoughts captive, you will just get frustrated like, what is God doing to me? You will question everything. Why is this happening? Why isn't this happening? Because the father's waiting there like a good father at the finish line. Those of us with children know if you want your child to accomplish something as a father, you will stand at the finish line. And if they stop short, you will do everything in your power to encourage them and give them grace to finish. 
right? So when I think about what's happening, I could easily get frustrated about our pipes bursting not once but twice after we redid the entire house, right? I could get frustrated about our house not selling. I could get frustrated about that. It would be very easy to go down that road. But what the Lord is ultimately showing is that, no, I'm, I'm taking you through a process of such extreme ownership, right? Now think about this converse to the rapture theology and the type of mindset that that breeds that you don't need to own anything because I'm taking you out of here. If the Lord told you he was going to take you to another country and give you millions of dollars and a whole nother life somewhere, would you make your next mortgage payment? Why? Right? Why? Why would you do that? You would, there would be no need to do that. Right, but that's the type of thinking that gets so deeply ingrained, and whether it's that t- that extreme of a of an example or not, it could be a matter of if we're supposed to co-own the earth with the Father, it could be as simple as when you go to the grocery store and you get out to your car and you just push a grocery cart off into the the parking lot. It's not my grocery cart; just let it roll right? It's not mine. They hire somebody to do that, right? It, I mean, whatever situation comes to your mind, and I, and I pray that the Holy Spirit brings something challenging to your mind, whether it's present or whether it's in the past, or even something that he's called you to that you just haven't picked up yet. That he would challenge you to the degree that he that it would bother you that you he would show you you went you went ninety eight percent and then you just gave up your ownership and you didn't hit the mark and the reason why he is so he's gonna press us into this in this next season and it's gonna be extreme and the reason why is because he's asking us to be more responsible with something greater than what we're already responsible for. possession. Think about it. Think about it. Escapism, non-ownership. We're going to get out of here. Things are going to get hard, but we're going to miss all that. We're going to skip all that. Versus I'm going to I'm going to there's promises for those who overcome. There's greater to greater. The ladder's going to greater. In possession when you think about the Bible and you think about Scripture, it's it's a reflection of a family, an inheritance, sons and daughters, us co-laboring, him co-signing, him giving delegated authority to us to own the thing that he created. Psalm 24, 1, this is a demonstration of his ownership. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it the world and those who dwell therein. Basically, he owns everything. He owns the earth. He owns the fullness of it. And he owns the world and everybody who dwells in it. It's a demonstration of his ownership. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the spirit within you, whom you have from God? 
you are not your own. That means you're the possession of God. He owns you. You're not your own, right? That's a demonstration of his ownership. First Corinthians six, nineteen through twenty. And there's so many scriptures that demonstrate his ownership. Deuteronomy eleven thirty one. For you are to cross over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, when it says God right there, it's Elohim and it's the living God of Israel. So the God of Israel was trying to will what he created to the nation of Israel. The God of Israel was willing what he created to the nation of Israel for them to take possession of it. He wanted them to go into the land. He was giving it to them. He was giving them the fruit of it. He was giving them the fullness of it for them to own. He was willing it to them. Think about the level of extreme ownership that Yahweh demonstrated when we screwed all that up in the beginning. And he had to bring his son Yeshua and bear him upon a cross so that we could, he could re-delegate his authority to us and he could re-will everything he created to us through inheritance. That's extreme ownership. He basically bought you back by putting his son up on the cross. He created you. He owned you initially. He owned us initially. And then he lost us. We became lost. And then he bought us back. He double owns us. He double owns us. He bought us back and he paid the ultimate price. He created. Think about this. You create something. The thing you created disassociates itself from you and then you give up your eldest child on the cross to buy back what you created in the first place. And reconcile that with rapture theology or the mindset of, no, I don't need to do this. I don't need to be responsible for this. I don't need to demonstrate any kind of extreme ownership because we're getting out of here at any moment. At any moment, we're going to get out of here, which makes it even more less responsible. We could get raptured tomorrow, right? So then what, what responsibility am I going to have to reconcile myself to walk in? So think about the gospel and think about the, when you really look at it, at the whole picture and you think about just the, the, the theme of the gospel, the, the beautiful picture of the gospel in the level of extreme ownership that the Father demonstrates towards us. And if we do what we see our Father doing, then he wants us to walk in that same level of extreme ownership to where you are going to experience the pain before the promise. Come on. Come on, is, every, is everybody doing okay? I want this to really challenge you. The father, when he felt, he initiated the pain before the promise because he knew what was on the other side of it. There's, if, if I could just relate this to what we're going through right now, even though it pales, pales, pales in comparison to what we see the father doing, that he gave us a house. 
that we could only have gotten through the inheritance of a forefather. If it wasn't for the inheritance of a forefather through Tanya's family, we would have never gotten that house. We couldn't have purchased that house in and of ourselves. So you see how, you see how family leads to ownership, leads to multiplication. Because they did what we couldn't do, now we can do for our kids what they really couldn't do. And to relate it to what we're going through, we purchase a house and God has a finish line in store for us in a process of extreme ownership that he's going to bring us through to get to that place. Because what he wants us to be responsible for is so much greater than anything we've ever been responsible for in this last era. Everything that I've seen, everything that I know he's called us to, he has not allowed us to handle. He hasn't allowed us to step into it because we weren't at a place of ownership for that to take place. So we go through this process with the house. It's been easy. We've had renters. They've paid our mortgage for 10 years. It's been easy. Few, very few problems. Probably went over there five times in the 10 years they owned it. Right? Easy. Wasn't a nightmare. But then the kind of the threshold of what God is asking us to cross over, the narrow gate he's asking us to cross over. Remember what Gabi talked about, such an awesome illustration that the narrow gate really is the easy way. <coughs> the, when you think about it, going through the narrow straight gets you there faster. But people see the narrow gate and they think, oh, that's going to be really hard to navigate. I'm going to go the big open way, which is going to take you way longer and get you way off course. So that, that threshold that God was asking us to cross over started with a pipe bursting and $40,000 worth of damage, no renters. We don't know how it's going to be covered. And, we, and we're just left with this gutted house and we're going to figure it out. Right? That's the pain. That's the, that's the, that's part of that birthing of what the Lord was asking us to be fully, fully aware of and fully feel it, right? And at that moment, how many of us, right? I know I did. The pipe burst, and in inside of me, I was laughing with Tyler. Inside of me, I was curled up in a fetal position, right? Just like, what? I didn't just, in my head, it wasn't just like, what? It was a lot worse than that. But looking back, looking back on this process, what the Lord was really doing was giving me opportunities for extreme ownership. What he did was he had insurance cover it. And by having insurance cover it, what he did was he gave me access to a whole company of contractors with different professions, different trades, experts in their area. And he brought them all to my house and I was able to watch them work, pick their brains, ask them questions, work shoulder to shoulder with them to learn how to go about doing this. Because one thing that I have a heart for, one thing that I've always saw myself doing that I know I'm called to and I always wanted to step into was real estate development. Well, guess what? He, he gave me a front row seat, a crash course into exactly what's gonna happen when I step into that. 
he, he, needed, he needed me to own the painful process of what it's going to take if I'm going to fully steward that. If I'm going to own that successfully and I'm going to, and I'm going to, uh, it's going to submit to me and I'm not going to be subject to that. He needed me to experience that painful process, but I fell short because once that was done, once that was done, I took all that process and I took the baton and I handed it over to a realtor. And this isn't like a, this isn't like a, the Lord is saying you cannot use realtors. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> that is, this is an example. This is what I'm not saying. And like I said, the focus isn't the thing you're owning. It's the process that he's taking you through to, to demonstrate a level of extreme ownership over anything, anything, the shopping cart in the parking lot, the trash in the parking lot. Uh, we went through a situation this last year where our family, and many of you know, our family was devastated in a way because certain things uh, were violated. Certain things were violated with our children. And it was an extremely difficult situation. And not only did we respond to that by, by confronting and addressing the things that needed to be addressed, but also owning other children who were potentially being violated that we don't even know. And walking in a manner that we walked with just as much concern for the, the such and such or the so and so that are also being impacted just like our children are as if they were our own children. So the Lord wants us to do like he's doing. If you do what you see your father doing and he will create something that he has the rights to, but he will also give it free will because he loves it. And when that thing that he created that he loves so much that he lets it make its own decision denies him, he will make a way and pay the most extreme cost he could ever pay to buy you back. And the Lord is wanting us to walk in that type of ownership, that type of possession. So basically what I did to get back to the story is I, I walked through what I believe to be about 90% of the process and I took the ball of extreme ownership that the Lord was wanting me to carry and I just dropped it and gave it to somebody else. Right? Think about that question that I asked you, what of the kingdom do you own? Now, I want to say something. If you own a home or you own a business or you own a dog or you own whatever, whatever type of thing you own. Sometimes I think of business owners. While being a business owner can definitely lend itself to these dynamics and the understanding of these concepts, I, I want to take it out of the realm of earthly ownership. I'm talking about, I'm talking about ownership on the level that you are willing to pay the most extreme cost to go through the process that the Father is asking you to go through because what's on the other side of that is such greater glory that you don't even understand it where you're presently at. So I have to believe, and as we prayed about it, and as we like kind of toiled over this and, and just navigated frustration with what's happening with this house, a house that we own, we fully own it, Right? And there's almost this, this complacency that could set in place that when you, when you fully own something, 
it, it's just there there's almost like a there can be a complacency that sets in we own it we don't you know there's no cost that's being charged to you on a continual basis so it almost could breed this complacency which i think is kind of kind of what took place in this situation because i went through that process and i just kind of I, I, I was short-sighted because I didn't see the rest of the process that the Lord was trying to take me to. So this is what he did. So we put it on the market, March 15th. I'm thinking it's going to go, it's going to sell in like three days, right? March 17th, the whole world gets hit with a pandemic and everything locks down, right? Nobody's looking at our house. For months. So I'm like, okay, no big deal. Once the pandemic lifts or whatever, it'll sell. Right? Still hasn't lifted, but people are looking at houses. People are buying houses, right? All this craziness. And nothing, nothing. The realtor calls me the other day. So I'm thinking, I'm not getting too excited, but I'm getting excited because why would he call me unless he's got good news, right? So he calls me and he's like, uh, hit. and immediately I knew like something was wrong. And he's like, hey, man, I got, I got bad news for you. And I'm thinking, what bad news could you possibly have? Right? That's what I was thinking. What bad news could you have? And he goes, hey, so another realtor was looking at the house and there's a, your house is flooded in the master bedroom. And I'm just like, it didn't even register. I was just quiet on the phone like, and he, and he just kept apologizing. And so anyway, I get over there that night. Sure enough, a hose under the sink had burst for three days, and it was just pumping water into the master bedroom, brand new carpet, brand new everything. Totally thought it was destroyed, right? I had, I had sons and daughters over there helping me. We're dumping buckets of water out of there, just doing everything. to get. It was a mess. But looking back on it, what I was, what I'm starting to realize and, and through talking together about it and praying about it is that we were going back over the whole process. We were going back to the beginning of what did God say about this in the beginning? What was our trajectory in the beginning? And one of the things that he wants us to do is, is reap the harvest of everything we've sown into that house. If you watch your children sow into something, your heart for your children is for them to reap the greatest harvest they can get out of what they sowed into. Amen? Right? So the father, what I believe he did at this present time is that he didn't allow our house to sell because we had stopped short of the level of ownership he was trying to take us through. The father did not want to start taking us through a process and not finish that process, right? He's the finisher. He's the author and the finisher. So if, if he has a son who he's maturing through a process and he only goes nine tenths of the way, he's going to want us to finish that process. So he didn't allow the house to sell. And not only that, he, he allowed another pipe to burst so that we would, we would start to realize and, and reevaluate and recalibrate what he was doing and recognizing in our own self-examination that the level of ownership he was trying to take us through, we did not complete that. We didn't go all the way. 
So now I'm understanding that basically what God's doing in having us sell the house ourselves, right? And I'm not saying that this is the end all and this, you know, once we do it, what I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that I am now back on track walking in a level of extreme ownership and finishing out the process that he started in us. Right? To the place to where what it looks like now is if we sell the house ourselves, he's paying, he's giving me another $12,000 to finish the process. He's, the Lord is paying me. The Lord is giving me access to an additional $12,000 that I didn't have access to when I was off track. He's giving me access to another $12,000 to basically walk out the rest of the ownership process. And it, and, it, and it took some time for us to get to that place. It took some time of, of really processing and praying and, and asking a lot of questions of what does this look like? So when I say there's, I'm, I'm coming and reporting to you out of a place of forward observation, and, and many of us have observed things that a lot of us haven't. But what I want to convey to you is, is when you go through those processes, we have to think in terms of the Lord's level of extreme ownership, and we have to mirror that. We have to line up our mindset with, with the Lord's level of extreme ownership that he has demonstrated before the foundations of the earth, right? Before any of us existed, he demonstrated that extreme level of ownership when he put his son on the cross to buy us back. And he wants us to walk in that same level of ownership. So I want to ask you again, what of the kingdom do you own? What in your life do you own to the level that you would buy it back if you lost it? (laughs) And, And I really want you to think about that. I really want to challenge you with that question because the Lord, that's, that's how we started down this path. He was asking, what are you not owning that I am asking you to own? And through that question, what are you not owning that I have set you on a path to own? What are you not owning, Amber, that I have set you on a, that I have called you to own? Right? Because ultimately the heart of the Father is He has something so much greater on the other side of this process. Right? But we have to to fully own it. We have to feel the pain of it. We have to feel the process of it. We have to walk through those things. I could tell you right now that the Hansen family, they have a level of ownership in a literal sense of the company that John works for. Right? And they were set on a trajectory on that path for a period of 10 years. Is that accurate? About 10 years. 10 years ago, God set them on a trajectory. And what the Lord had in mind, what he knew he had for them, they probably didn't fully understand or wrap their heads around it. But I can guarantee you they fully wrapped their heads around the pain of the process and the the longevity and the steadfastness and the diligence that it took, right? There were things that they couldn't partake of because they were so focused on the process that God had to take them through to set John and Megan in a place to own something. 
something greater than they owned before. Right? And it's amazing. It's amazing when you look at a testimony of somebody who has pressed through a process of extreme ownership and they're sitting, they're sitting at the finish line and God has said, well done. He's, he's pleased with you. You've made it through a level of a process to where he can give you the keys to something that he couldn't have given you the keys to before. And to, to see the testimony on the other side of it, would you guys ever go back and change anything because it was hard? Were there difficult times where you would say, you know what, because that was so hard, take all this back and I want to go back and avoid that pain. Right? Would you? <laughs> right? But, it, but there's more satisfaction in what you own because of the pain. When we move forward, when we move forward and when we sell this house, right? When we sell this house, there is going to be a greater level of satisfaction that I wouldn't have experienced before if somebody else had sold it. There's going to be, I'm going to be even able to own the testimony even more. God's going to say, I'm going to glorify myself, but I'll give you more ownership over the testimony of what happened. Apostle Tanya, you want to come up? <laughs> but one of the one of the things that that t- just to kind of recap, and these, like I said, these are basic but profound principles of the kingdom. And and when we talk about ownership, this is constructing a context for you in place of what was dismantled, which was escape. We don't have to own, we don't have to go through these things because we're just going to get taken out of it. It's going to get the easy, we're going to get the easy route, right? This is, this is, God is in, imparting something in place of that for where we're going. And I, and, and I want to challenge you, really think about, and if you don't know, ask the Holy Spirit, what have you called me to own that I have fallen short of? What, ha- what has God put in you to own? Not a thing, but just whatever he's called you to own that you are not presently owning. And maybe you have owned it. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I've owned it. I've owned it. But God wants to bring you to a greater level of ownership. Right? Maybe you own everything. I am even want to challenge you You've, you, yes, you've owned everything, but you, you don't know how to own things like he's going to teach you, right? You don't, you haven't owned things like he's about to teach you. So what, what we're going to couple this with is there's a level of ownership that needs to be a foundational thing of what we're stepping into. And there's also a level of, of honor of where we're going. And so ownership and honor, and these things are tied together and it's all tied together with family. Amen. Yeah. I want to just make sure that you guys understand the example, especially because we have Jen in the house and she's a realtor. This has nothing to do with whether or not you get a realtor, right? This has everything to do with what he's put on his heart to own in the future. 
So this has nothing to do with buying and selling houses and using realtors. It has nothing to do with that. What it has to do with is what is going on in him. It would be, uh, I'm trying to think of an example. It would be like, so Gabby's uh, calling is to teach. And then she gets all the way through school and says, you know what? I think I'm just going to sit back and not do what I went to school for. And I'm going to, I'm trying to think of like a proper example. Does that make sense? It's 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 about what it is that he, that's being put in his heart that that there was another level of training because it's what he's going to do in the future. It would be like it would be like Jen saying, "I want to be a realtor, but I don't really want to go to school. I'm just going to bypass the process and pay for a license and figure it out." That's what was happening. So this has nothing to do with a home. And if you own, then you sell your own home. It has nothing to do with that. What it has to do with was what Yahweh is revealing in us is that there's a level of ownership that we're beginning to see in such a manner that we were bypassing the process of the ownership so that it wouldn't become ours. And that's what we're after as a family. We, he does not want us to bypass the process. This is not a new word. We go through the cross. We don't go around it. Even though we say that, that's a very easy thing to do when I'm talking with people on a daily basis and their first response is to go around the cross and not through it. So we, we, we will bring these examples to bring out in us what it is that he's after because we can say all day long, we are a family that goes through the cross and not around it. And yet every single time we have a conversation, there's an aspect of discipleship where we got to bring them back around away from the path that they went and go through the cross. It's that, it's that same level of discipleship with my kids where it's like, okay, you know, I mean, you've had those conversations, right? Where you're like, hey, put your big girl panties on. Or, you know, where you've got to say, okay, we're going to do this. It was an aspect of bypassing a process that would not allow for ownership moving forward. I just want to make sure that that's clear. This has nothing to do with buying and selling homes. It has nothing to do with being a real. It has to do with the example in him was an example of how he's revealing how we cannot escape a process. Let me give you an example of my own life. And most of you guys, if you're my daughter, you've probably dealt with this. But I deal with extreme escapism in my home. So while I can be like, don't give me that face, Missy. While I can be up here and say, we're not getting taken out of here, I will not go downstairs. I am afraid. I am not afraid anymore. You guys should look at my life. The reason why I have not talked to any of you guys in the last two weeks is because I have to go downstairs now and I am dying. And so I don't have time to be on Voxer. And so if, if I've ignored you, it is not because I don't love you. It's because I have to go downstairs. It is because I have to sell my home. It is because I actually have to look at the smoke rise house. I don't want to. I mean, isn't that spiritual, you guys? I released over my firstborn son. The moment he became a man was in that master bedroom. After we declare manhood, boom, uh, pipes burst. In the same room that he was declared a man. Well, guess what, guys? Since this process of him owning something, okay, I'm just being vulnerable, okay? In our marriage... Don't get too crazy, though. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> in our, Go ahead. Go in ahead. our marriage... I know sometimes you start talking and I'm over here, like, puckering my legs. Like, <laughs> um, In our marriage, there's been trust issues on ownership and trusting when you're in a partnership 
Okay, it's one thing to preach at you and say you need to own. What happens when you join with someone and my level of ownership is dependent on his level of ownership and his ownership is dependent on my level of ownership? Whoa, that is a hot, I don't wanna go through the cross now. It's one thing for me to go downstairs and look at what I've owned, but what if I have to go downstairs and look at what he's been owning? That's why I escape and don't want to go downstairs. Not because you... I have a lot of bodies in my house. And if the kids don't own their room to the standard that I want them to own it, I have to deal with it as a parent. So you know what? Forget it. I'm just not going to look in that room until I have to. And then when I do, it's like, just don't come into my house. So there's a level of maintenance. Remember that word that's beginning to get stirred up. So what was my point in all that? Well, that, that brings up a, a great... I was this is... So there's ownership and there's co-ownership, right? We co-labor with him. We co-own with him. That's where the Lord is taking us. He, he's taking all of us through a process of extreme co-ownership which is going to press and provoke on all kinds of things, which is why we have to couple ownership with honor. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what I was getting at is something that's happening in me is that there were trust issues that he would be able to own the process all the way through. And so what happened was, was the smoke rise house has been remodeled. I am standing here today to let you guys know that I have not stepped foot in that house since he started the project. Honestly, I haven't stepped foot. Honestly, I have not stepped foot in that house since we moved away. Renting. I didn't go over there. I haven't been inside that house. I haven't looked in the backyard. I have sons and daughters that have gone in. I have a son that decided I had two sons. I had, I had one son call me and say, how are you? I literally couldn't even talk on the phone because I was like, I just broke down and cried. He's in the master bedroom. I still have not seen the master bedroom. That's what I mean by escapism. So while I'm up here like, we're not getting taken out of here, and I'm all amening, I'm the one sitting in my room crying in a fetal position while I've got sons figuring out how we're going to deal with this mess. So when we're talking about ownership, it's a real personal thing of what it is that he's getting after. We've heard these words, but there's a real press in the way that we're going to walk it out because if we're not leaving and we're not escaping the process, there's going to be more that's going to come as we begin to own the process. And so with that, uh, there's, um, I, you said something and now I'm trying to think how you said it. You, you said, what did you say about being subject to? Like he wants, he wants what he called me to, to be submitted to me rather than me being subjected to whatever it is. Yes, you should write that down. (laughs) Because one of the things that uh, since uh, Yahweh sent your leaders out over the summer, what he's been asking us to conquer and do to be able to teach and release is how to become a place of authority over versus being subject to what's on this earth. Now we understand that. In, an, in, 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 a, in a gospel way, but walking that out, think about everything that was released last month. Where we're going is subduing and taking dominion over the earth. 
So there is an aspect that this family is going to be asked to walk through that is going to require where earth begins to submit to us instead of us being submitted to earth. We know that, but this family is being squeezed in a new way, a narrow way to where we are going to learn how to walk in such dominion to be able to say, you are now subject to my word versus I've been subject to your word. So what that's requiring is going through the process and looking at it, which is actually kind of the opposite feeling because if you don't want to be subject to things, wouldn't it make sense to just not deal with it? So for me, if I don't look at it, I conquered and got the gospel all up in my heart because now it's subject to me not doing anything. Yeah, you can be, you can, right? you can not be subject to something by just not going there. Right? Earth is not subjected to you if you're just like, I'm out. <laughs> right? So it's almost like we were, or at least for me, I was accomplishing something and now realizing I actually have to recognize what I need to be subject to for it to become subject to me. I have to see something and recognize that I am subject to earth because it's mine and until I know that it won't become mine and it won't become subject to me. So there's going to be this process that we're going to go through where you're going to start to feel like you're underneath some things. But it's to train you because you're going to be over some things. But you'll never be over what you don't come under. Is that making sense? Yes? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> so... Um, so d did I clarify that, that that example is just an example and, and talking about ownership and, and, and I want to put some things a little bit into context last month. Okay. So the month prior to last month, Amber and Jason basically did a review up to this point where we've been and where we are, right? The pillars, blood versus blood, ministry of reconciliation, walking in him, knowing you've got, um, all these closing the gap, adoption, going from church to ecclesia, raw, real, radical, identity, dwelling in unity, that we have all this. Then we began to release kind of the, I felt like last month was kind of a stop to make sure we understand the really big picture because we can get lost in the weeds of what's my identity? How do I become obedient? What is submission? How do I close the gap? What does adoption mean? Am I still under salvation, right? You're, you could get easily entangled in all of this. And I really just felt like Yahweh was like, okay, there's some things in this family we need to understand. Number one, we're transitionals. Number two, you know, right? Number two, we're not getting out of here. Number three, there's a new era and it's going to be defined by Ruach, which means we understand an aspect of the Father. We're understanding the aspect of the Son. Now we're understanding the aspect of Ruach and what's coming. So kind of giving that really big overall picture kind of gives us a grid. It just kind of shows us, okay? So that's what last month was. Now we're going to build, now that we understand the grid and where we're at, we're going to begin to build that second floor, but I don't want us to get lost in the building. I still want us to have a finger point on the grid of the overall picture. And when I say overall picture, I'm talking like two, 3,000 years is what I mean. Does it make sense? 
because I don't want anybody to be confused of, wait a minute, why are we talking about ownership and honor when we were just talking about something as crazy? But you can see what was as crazy as releasing about transitionals and all of that. What it does is, is it sets your mind on a path that we need to build and gave you purpose this was just all foundational we wouldn't have been able to receive what we wouldn't have been able to receive the grid or the finger point on the map if we didn't even have some foundational things right first we had to understand okay we're out of rescue now we're moving into some maturity things but now that we have this foundation now he's saying here's where you are in history Here's where you are in history. Now that you are beyond hospital, now that you are beyond rescue, now that you're moving into maturity and you're understanding some foundational gospel things, now I'm going to show you where you are in history because I think you can handle that. Now that you know where you are in history, I believe he's going to begin to show us the floor of the building of where we're going and more pillars that are coming. And I feel like what he had showed us is that the next floor that we are going to build on is going to have to be founded on honor. Honor and essentially ownership. And I feel like they go hand in hand. Is that making sense? The, the foundation of the first floor is Hebrew versus Greek mindset. Just the, the foundation, just basically understanding the transition from rescue to adoption, right? Now that you've been adopted, there's some rules in the house. Okay, when you're in rescue mode, you kind of can just, it's different, right? But when you walk in maturity and you understand obedience and submission and dwelling and, and, and perspective and, and adoption and, and authority, now all of a sudden... There's going to be some rules in this house. Make sense? And, and the foundation of some of those rules, the more we own it, these rules are going to become known in our life. And we believe that the foundation of the next floor is honor. So for this month, we want to talk about honor and ownership and continue to build on that. And then the next month, we will continue to release what I'm seeing is, is release pillars of that second floor. Does that make sense where we are? Okay. Okay. Um, I think overall, I just want to release a couple of things in the spirit. Um, because when we get into honor, um, there's, there's an aspect that I feel like most of us have learned. We've, oh, I'm trying to think of how to say this. We have learned an aspect of the gospel and we understand his nature and his character a certain way. And one of the things that I believe is lacking in a mature household, mature body, is honor, which is made up of gratitude and humility. I just think that that's lacking in general. And I know we've talked about this before. Typically what happens, you get saved, you get into a church, and the moment you get into church, you just know everything. And you become the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And you are here to judge everyone that does not align with your thinking, and they are... Okay? That is not the gospel at all. I mean, when you begin to uncover some of the deep secrets. Remember when I said it's the honor for you guys to remain in a place of mystery? When you begin to uncover some of the mysteries of who he is, you will be floored 
at his level of tenderness, uh, vulnerability, emotion, who he, who he is. And I, and I feel like he's going to begin to release some, I don't even, I don't, I don't know how to necessarily say this other than to explain what I'm feeling or sensing. This is very structural. I feel like what he's going to begin to release up here, especially if we're moving into the new era and we're going to begin to understand Ruach, it is going to be very, the words that are coming to my mind are frilly, um, fluid, that's a manly word. I'm trying to think of, I don't know how to explain what it is that I'm feeling. It Wispy? <laughs> no. It is going to be very, um, what's going to happen when your mindset begins to shift when you feel like you are not to be ruled by your emotion? And then we begin to learn he was absolutely ruled by his emotion. And he was an extremely emotional person. And that there's aspects to the kingdom on learning how to subdue the earth where you begin to exchange emotion. Not exchange necessarily in an encounter or even wisdom, but some of the things that I've been tapping into about this situation, okay? He tells me about the house, and I am, I am devastated. And I'm learning this. I'm just giving an example of where we're going. I'm learning that my devastation actually attracts devastation. And the more I'm devastated, the more bad news comes into my life because that's the kind of owner I am. So if I am devastated because I own so much, I actually, by the law of attraction, can own devastation. So I have this thing in my life where I genuinely am breaking free that I feel like no matter what it is, there's always bad news around the corner, no matter what. I deal with it, you guys. I am so bound in this. It is crazy. I could start crying. I can't remember who I, who, was I with you, Megan, at Walmart? Uh, not Walmart, Fry's. We were shopping at Fry's. We went, went to both play. We went all over town and she was floored at my level of anxiety. I am in line and I had to explain to her, I'm scared to be in line. I'm afraid I'm going to do something wrong. I'm afraid a manager is going to come tell me I did something wrong. I feel like I'm in trouble. I feel like I, I, it, I just get all anxious going anywhere because there's always this thing that says something bad is going to happen. Everybody's like, that is weird. <laughs> but it's something that I struggle with. How am I supposed to be an owner over earth if I'm scared to go to Walmart? If I'm scared to, I mean, I'm not scared to drive. It's not like a fear thing. It's almost like a, I don't want, okay, here's the thing. I have a bill that I have to pay. I don't want to call about it. I do not want to go into my office. My, you guys, we should see my office now. But if you saw my office a while ago, it is just, I don't want to look at the paperwork. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to make that phone call because someone's going to tell me, I don't have your account number and what's your password. I don't know the it's, I, it's this negative thing that just exudes out of my body. Well, what's happening is I'm starting to realize that the more that I own it, the more I realize I'm actually creating that. I'm creating that in my life. So I'm learning how to wake up and be like, I'm going to take care of that bill. And I'm going to face it. And I'm going to look at it. And I'm going to call. And they're going to give it to me for free. And then I have to deal with it when they don't. And I can't fall back into, so, so, what's, so anyways, what I'm saying is, is that this floor is going to get good. 
Because what's going to happen is, is we're learning to not only exchange wisdom or exchange words, but what if I start teaching you how to exchange feelings? And the feeling that you have, you give to him and you exchange it for a kingdom fee. I'm talking a feeling. I'm not talking about a declaration. I'm not talking about like, in the name of Yeshua, you're going to give me that bill. I'm not saying that that's not right. But what happens when you're hooting and hollering, in the name of Yeshua, I'm going to own this. And the feeling and frequency that's coming out of me is now having to not align with the words out of my mouth. But I declared, well, I guess God didn't want me to have that. And now all of a sudden, God's to blame and I'm irritated and I'm still bound in fear. Is that a right? In religion, you speak it. You pray it, you intercede, you fast, you speak in tongues and if you, or whatever. And so, and, and, I'm, and all of that is awesome. But what's happening is, is because we're like, he's not emotional. We've learned certain tools in our toolbox and we're doing all the right things, but our frequency is off. And so I'm still attracting a negative thing, but it, because I did everything right, it's his fault now. Is that making sense? So what's going to happen as we begin to own some things, we're going to walk a little bit different. We're not just going to learn how to talk, but we're going to learn how to smell different. We're going to le- learn how to taste different. We're going to learn how the uh, laws of attraction, we're going to learn how to attract the beings of the kingdom to work for us. This is that place of rest that we're talking about. It's actually going to be a lot less work, but you have to deal with it, look at it, and and and... I can't do what I was doing before and escape it. So in any situation, what I want to release in the spirit over you is that sometimes when he's talking about a process and if you feel like, well, I own everything, let's make this personal to yourself. At what point have you said, um, well, I'm trying to think of how to say that. I felt like I said it to somebody the other day. What I'm wanting to say is, have you ever felt like, well, I guess that story is done? Was that, that was with Tyler. Has anybody walked through something and said, well, I guess that's the end of the story. I made that phone call and I guess that's the end of it. So I guess I'm just subject to the end of that situation. Well, what he's gonna begin to teach us and bring hope into us is that it's not the end of the story. And so there should be no fear or anxiety with, with, uh, with where we're at, but it's actually going to bring a level of hope to be able to change the trajectory of what you thought was finished and actually bring restoration to what was lost. So while I feel like all hell has broken loose in our family for the last two weeks, I have never... I, I have never, up until this point in my life, walked in so much authority and so much blessing has been attracted to what we're walking in. But it has been agony because I'm having to look at it and I'm having to deal with it. And it's, gonna, it's a whole lot different than the toolboxes that I had where I pray or I fast. or It is, it is a totally different type of conquering totally different type of conquering. But I want to give you guys hope because I don't want you guys to feel like, wow, well, the narrow gate just sounds really bad because it has been absolutely devastating. And at the same time, I have a, I have a list of probably 20 things that I could say that we decided to look at. And it is weird, the level of blessing. I mean, it would blow you away if you hurt. I mean, he's talking about $12,000. I am 
uh, let me say it this way. Two weeks ago, I got excited because Walmart did not fight with me when I had to return cucumbers, and I did it on my app, Linda. I actually did it without driving all the way there. She, she's the one that teaches me. She's the, one, she's the one teaching me. Did you know that you can take a picture of your check? You don't actually have to go to the bank. <laughs> this thing is cool. I decided to go on the app for Walmart and say return, and they returned it, no questions asked, and I didn't even have to bring it back to the store and prove to them that it was moldy. They just trusted me. And they gave me my $2.78 back. I got so excited about $2.78, but here's the thing. He wants $400,000 in my pocket. But I'm trying to figure out how to get excited about $2.78 before I can go and say, that house is going to sell. I couldn't even say that house is going to sell. I haven't even looked at it. <laughs> I'm just telling you guys the level that I'm at. I'm getting excited about $2.78. He's wanting us to own the earth. He wants you to create a garden. He wants you to, sell. He wants you to right? You know, and so I'm just letting you guys know where I'm at. But that's the kind of level of authority that we're walking in. Amen? So, are you guys doing okay? So I want to release some scriptures. I actually have released these scriptures uh, over um, Presbytery. These are honor scriptures. And I think the reason why he's wanting us to really be on a foundation of honor is because that's the frequency that's going to begin to attract ownership. And I want, to, I want to say that again. To the degree of honor that you walk in is going to be the degree of ownership he will allow you to have. To the degree of honor that you walk in will be to the degree that you are able to own. Okay? So... Let's take this beyond physical things, cucumbers and Walmart. If you are struggling in relationships and there's just this common theme that happens in your life in a relationship, what happens when you shift it and instead of waiting for them to walk in it, just like I can't wait for Walmart to teach me this, then if I walk in a degree of honor in that relationship, it will begin to attract the opposite story in my life. But typically what happens in a relationship is I've done my part. I've done all the work. I'm like the only one working at this thing, so... Can you deal with yourself? I mean, I don't really think that. Right? Never. But I, right? So it's like, I, like, I, so. That type of mindset's like, like 50-50. And it's escapism. I've done my part. Like, Lord, I've done when my are you going to show up? I've done my part. Now, Lord, I've you come. I've gone 50%. I've done my part. Right, where it should be 100, 100, regardless of whether they go 100. So when I'm talking about honor, all of you guys are like, I understand honor. I honor everyone. I know how to honor. We honor in this house, and we do. But what he's asking us to walk in is another level of honor that if you think your honor is awesome, you're probably, stay right there. If, you, if your honor is awesome, you're probably right here. You're going to have to honor all the way. And you're probably going to have to surpass some honor if you want your story to change in this relationship. 
in this example. But what happens is, is, well, I'm over here. Why don't you start to honor? Hello? Well, then fine. And then we're walking around going to Walmart thinking I'm going to get a return while I'm all like, walking around with a chip on my shoulder, irritated, thorn in my side, just frustrated at life because people are annoying. Laurie has no idea what I'm talking about. Now I'm just talking about people. It could be anything. I'm just saying that, that, that thing that just you wake up and you're the sun. Some people are like the sun. Ugh, mornings. You better stop that because you are waking up and attracting your whole day to basically be like, Ugh. So you, but now here's the thing in religion, you better get up and just declare, I love mornings. Speak it until it's going to be a whole lot more than speaking. Cause there's going to be some emotion that's going to come up. What happens when he begins to teach you? And Yahweh says, you know what? When you were seven years old, this is what happened to you in the morning. And that's why you don't like the morning. Can I bring some healing to that? And all of a sudden you go into an encounter and you begin to release some things and you exchange some emotion that comes with morning or waking up or, or whatever. Or maybe you're fearful of nighttime. Well, I woke up and my parents fought at night and I could hear those things. I want to exchange some feelings about nighttime. Let me replace some things in your life. When that happens, healing begins to come in. Now all of a sudden you're honoring the night season honoring the morning season. I'm, I'm trying to connect some dots here. You don't like the morning. What happens when we start talking about the, the month of whatever the month is that begins the morning season? Where are we at? We're in the middle of the day right now, Hebraically. But what happens when you enter that night month and you already have problems with nighttime? That month is, that, is this making sense? So there's some things that he wants to exchange that is going to be founded in honor that is actually going to walk you to a place of ownership that's going to change the trajectory in your life, whether it's material, whether it's relationship, whether it's uh, anything, nighttime, morning time, daytime, work, paperwork, whatever that is, you don't have to live with that is. Whatever that is. In fact, the reason why I can boldly say you don't have to is because in religion you were subject to it because it was always the enemy. Now it's yours. It's your nighttime. It's your morning time. It's your paperwork. It's your house. I don't mean that in this weird condemning it's your problem like the weight of the world is on you because you've got him on your side. But he's teaching us how to own some things. Whereas before in religion, not only did we try to escape, it wasn't ours because it was either God or the devil. So I guess I'll just sit here. The enemy has rule and reign over the earth, so I guess I'll just, you know, let him rule and reign in my life. But that's not what he called us to. So he actually wants us to take dominion and own it. And there's some things that are in your life that are following you around. And we're allowed to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. We were taught that won't. That wasn't mine. And you're going to turn around. You're going to look at it and be like, you're mine now. And you're going to be able to grip some things. You're going to be able to take authority over some things. And you're going to change you in him, right? Because it's through him. He's the only one that does it. Am I making sense when I say you're going to do it? I don't want to send you home with like, you got to do it. But, but that's what a father does, right? I don't tell Sean, well, you know, I guess you're just subject to whatever comes your way. 
I'm going to teach my son. Look at that thing and say it's mine. Right? So it, so, so it, but, it, but that doesn't mean he feels like he's got to do it on his own. I'm going to walk you through it. I'm going to teach you. To, right? Okay. Does that make sense? Why honor is what is going to release it? Because if you can't honor whatever it is that is annoying, then that whatever is annoying isn't going to change. It's going to be really hard. I'm going to teach you guys how to honor what you hate. Now you got another whole dynamic of the scriptures that says love your enemy. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> you got, uh, can I just be real? We're having a hard time loving each other. He wants us to love what we hate. We have a hard time honoring each other. When I say honoring, I mean walking the fullness in the relationship that he has. And if your relationship isn't operating in the fullness, there's something that is hindering a level of ownership. And we want to subdue the earth and create gardens? I mean, well, anyways. Every heart is a garden is what I was going to say. So how is he going to have us create that? What garden are you tending to? What, what are you, I mean, not, I'm not dismissing the fact that I do believe I'm going to tell my flowers to grow and they are going to grow and it's going to come out of some things. But there's an aspect that every person is a garden to him. It, it's his heart within them that is a beautiful garden. And what did he ask Adam to do? tend to it. We've done marriage counseling for 15 years. You guys have heard him release it all the time, 16 years, all the time. She's my garden that I have to deal with. But he is a reflection, however flourishing my garden is, is a reflection on what he's done with it. Could you imagine walking in a level of ownership with one another that depending on how flourishing Amber walks is determined on the level of tending you've done in her garden or the level of honor that you honor her garden? Like it's it, not that it's easy. It's not easy, but it's one thing to preach it in marriage. It's another to talk about it in covenant, in the world, and in, 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 in ownership. Amen? Everybody's like, amen. <laughs> Are you guys okay? But is this making, is this not only making sense, but it's going to be a narrow road, but it is going to catapult us in a level of, <clears throat> when it says thy kingdom, right, come. This is the, that narrow road of pulling down kingdom and manifesting it on earth. And we are saying, oh, we got so much time. There is a, cat, uh, I don't know if catapult's the right word, but it's almost like a... Um, catalyst? <clears throat> it's a catalyst to some things. Because if we talk about co-creating, there, there, there's just a catalyst of things that are going to begin to happen quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker and quicker, which is awesome because you have more and more and more and more and more breakthrough and you have less thorns in your side, but you also have way more responsibility and a whole lot more ownership. Okay? So I'm just going to give these scriptures. I don't even know. I don't know if I'm going to read them or not. <clears throat> are you, you got anything? 
All right, Proverbs 10.1. And I'm actually just going to add two. Um, I, I, I do want to just touch on this because some people will say, well, what does that mean that the floor that we walk on is honor? Um, I'm not going to get into the teaching because there's a lot. But remember when we told Andrew to read Ezekiel and... Isaiah, about Lucifer. There's an aspect of trading that is very important in the kingdom. So when I talk about floor, every step that you take is a trade into this. And the more you trade with it, the more it manifests in your life. That's what I mean by the law of attraction. The more I trade into something, the more that I, I uh, walk on a, a foundation of gratitude and humility, the more, uh, the more um, things of the kingdom are attracted to it. Just like Lucifer was able to trade. If you, okay, let me say it this way. If you are walking throughout your day and you are trading with that lie, uh, somebody yell out a lie that your friend deals with. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, what lie? Envy. Um, uh, their, family, their family always has a bunch of stuff and I don't have a lot of stuff. I'm envious of that family. That family always seems to have everything going for them and I don't have anything. Lie. Trade didn't hold it captive. You just said it. Then you go to work and all of a sudden you get a phone call from that family and they're like, guess what? <laughs> and you're like, cool. <laughs> See, there's the fact. Now you're going to, you're going what, to, what's happening is, is you have a case. You basically have a court case in front of you. Okay. Right. Cause we're legislators and oracles in the kingdom. Right. So you've got a case in front of you and you're just writing down number one fact. Here's all my reasons, Yahweh, why they are more blessed than me. And you just keep trading in the thought. I could use myself as an example. I, something always bad happens. So then I go to Walmart and they're like, sorry, I know you, I know our ad said that was on sale, but it's not. Okay. And then I leave. See? That's why I hate going to Walmart or whatever. I get in my car. Then I'm here. Oh, this parking lot and the people and the masks. And then I just be quiet and I'm yelling at the kids. And then I get home. Oh, and I got to make dinner. And I, just, I mean, I know how to trade. <laughs> I can take you guys through my whole day. I mean, trade not on the proper floor. I mean, I just, you know, and then I'm just starting down a road and then I go to bed. Oh, I can't sleep. And then, oh, it's hot. And, and you're just right? You just built a case. And he's like, yeah, that's a really good case. You built it. He actually agrees with the case. That's how much authority you have. That's a great case. You're a great lawyer. Guess what's going to happen tomorrow? The case you just advocated for. And then you wake up, see, and you did, you built the case. That's how much authority you have. So what happens when you start building a different case? Stop releasing the facts. Stop releasing the facts. So here's what I want you to do. You wake up in the morning and you say a truth and you start, because here's the thing, facts are facts, okay? Facts will back up your lie, but 
facts will back up a truth. Facts are different than truth and lie. There are truths in the kingdom and there are lies and then there are facts that back up both. That means facts are real. You can't, well, you told me not to believe that, but there's a, no, I, I know. So what you have to do is you have to begin to shift on a floor of gratitude, humility, and honor and begin to build a case for the truth and start bypassing the facts of the lie that you have. So you begin to wake up and you speak a truth. So Linda says envy. You start saying um, I was going to say people are envious of me, but I don't know if that would be a great thing. I don't <laughs> The world is going to be, I have more than enough. Um, I will be celebrated today. I'm going to be celebrated today. He celebrates me. I woke up and he celebrates me. Oh, could you imagine waking up in the morning and all of the angelic host that he has assigned to you before the foundation of earth is in your room like this, waiting for your eyes to wake up, to deposit some truth into you, to just deposit some, 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 some kingdom things. Then all of a sudden you have these kingdom thoughts, you hold on to that truth, you start finding some facts. So all of a sudden you, you uh, I don't know, you go to a store and somebody smiled at you. I was celebrated today. You may have a thousand facts where you were not celebrated. Do not write them on your case. Don't write it down. What does Habakkuk say? Write it down. Don't write down your lies. That's not what it says. It does not say to write down your lies. It says write down your vision. Oh man. Write down your vision. Write down what you're seeing. What you behold is what you become. Whatever you're adoring, you will become. So, you write your vision down. What did I see? in the truth and you begin to write down the facts that back up the truth and you'll begin to see a grand level of celebration because here's the thing the enemy wants you to believe that you're not celebrated and all of the angelic hosts are like singing holy you are above them they are not called a son you are called a son and we're over here like traffic and the angelic hosts are like, could they just, holy, holy, they get the, the, they get the inheritance of what I am observing. And they're over here messing around and frustrated. There's a lot that is being celebrated over your life, but we got to find those facts and begin to change the court case. That's what this teaching is going to do. That's what this honor, walking in this honor is going to begin to do. But it is so powerful. It's hard. I can see it on your faces. <laughs> it is hard. But it is a game changer on the way that we're going to, uh, we're going to look differently on the other, on the, not on the other side, but on the, when we get over there. 
When we honor our way over there, it's going to look a whole lot different than if we had walked around and not gone through. You might get where you were going to go, but it, this, is gonna, this is going to attract it faster. Okay? Okay. Yeah, just to... It's just hitting me that it's even... We have to honor the process of ownership over the outcome, right? Like I could easily go down a road, okay, okay, now God's showing me different and this is gonna get the house sold. This, this is gonna accomplish what I'm after, right? And if you honor the outcome over the process, then you're just kind of stuck at that outcome. You miss the point of what God was trying to do to get you to the greater thing. I don't know how many times, countless times, in our, in our level of what God has allowed us to see, we have seen a process that God is trying to take somebody through. But because it's totally uncomfortable, it's hard, it's going to be filled with challenges, they're just like, nah, not going to do it. Just like she said, it's too hard. And there's zero honor for the process that God is trying to take them through. Sometimes it makes me think of, right, it's easy for me, it's, it, this is where we get tangled up because it's easy for each of us in our own individuality to see, to know what we've been through to get to a place. And then it's easy for us to get offended if other people don't have any reverence for that, right? If I told you that God was going to give you the promised land in five years, but it's going to be a really hard process, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. Are you going to do it? Right? And we have to, we have to let go of whatever God is trying to accomplish. This house that we have for sale, me personally, I have to let go of the, the achievement or the accomplishment or the end result that this house is going to sell? What if it never sells? Am I still going to go and restore the carpet and spend hours in there? And, and am, am I still going to go through that process for whatever it is he's trying to teach me? Right? How many people, when you counsel them, when you counsel people, let's take marriages, for example, they're evaluating the end result and how likely is it that the end result that I expect is going to happen if I do this? It's almost like a, I will do this if this. And where people lose it is they have zero honor to initiate the process of what the Lord is trying to take them through. Let's go back to the box, right? We stood at a place in our life where things, we had no clue about the end result, but we honored the process of God said, you stay right here. We had no clue what the end result was going to be. If we did, we wouldn't stay. Yeah. But God said, stay in this box and I'm going to take the process and you, and you will see what the end result is. And I don't know how many times people, I had one guy ask me how many, how, what is, he wanted to know from me, what is your, your, uh, it was almost like a, um, like a batting percentage. What's your, what's your, is that what it's called? I don't watch baseball. 
batting, what's your batting percentage of getting people through stuff when you counsel them? <laughs> he wanted like a, like a success rate. And I told him for those that, that go, that are willing to go through the process, that honor the process with no thought of the end result, 1000%. And I told, and I said, everybody who honors the process and they take the counsel and they press through and they, they deal with the process 1,000%. And he's like, no way. And I'm like, well, that's because you don't, you don't want to go. Th- you're not even willing to sign up for the process because you want, you want God to say, I'll do this if you do this. I, I, I could go down a road of like just getting all fired up about like people say, oh, God, do that. God, no, you don't. You don't. You don't because you're not going to take even the first step into the process that he's calling you to do that. Like we have to walk. If God, if God calls us in a direction, we have to honor. It's, it's taken me even in the course of this service. I'm, I'm repenting because I was like, okay, God, we're going to sell the house and that's going to get it sold. Rather than saying, you know what, Lord, whatever you have for me in this, I honor that. And I'm going to step into that no matter what, right? Because then I'm not putting expectations and limitations on what the outcome is going to be. And then my frequency is if my walk in this process that you're taking me through doesn't line up with my end result, if what I see is over there and how I think it should be and you're taking me this way, my, I'm going to be irritated. Right? We've counseled people, well, I want my husband, I want him to be fixed. And what you're telling me to do, it, has, it isn't even focusing on him. Right? The famous what words. You're, what you're I'm not afforded. I'm afforded you. Yeah. <laughs> what you're, we can see a course. After 20 years of marriage counseling, we can see where the issue is. We can see the course correction and the trajectory they need to be on and say, this is the first step you need to take to restore your marriage in a place of ownership where you own it a thousand percent regardless of what they do. And people will say, the moment you say, regardless of that other them, it's like, oh, I don't want to talk to you anymore. Then, then there's no, there is no honor, right? As a representation, a marriage, being in a place to counsel somebody through something is a representation. We go to the father. We say, this is what the father, just like she said, this is what I see. This is what the Father's showing me, so I'm going to counsel you out of that place. And there's no honor for that because it's such a self-absorbed, like, no, this is me. I'm the victim. I got hurt. And people aren't willing to honor the process of ownership. Any marriage that's been through some stuff, ask anybody who's been through some crazy stuff, each person had to demonstrate a level of ownership and they had to develop even an honor for that process, whether they could put words to it or not. So we, we even, they go so hand in hand, you have to honor the process of ownership. I feel like there's like 
I'm like, I could go in five different directions. I want to give you guys these scripture again. I'm not going to read them, but I want you to be able to write them down. So I, <clears throat> Proverbs 10, 1 and 2, I am going to read this one. A wise son gives joy to his father, but a foolish son grieves his mother. <clears throat> you have to read that in context that this book, Proverbs, was written to kings. And you are a king. So when you're thinking about, when you're reading this, it's saying what would honor my inheritance. I want to release something uh, just to make sure that I am honoring this house because I found, it just kind of hit me even today. There are so many people in the body all over the world that are grasping on to the concept of adoption, right? 25 years ago, there was no spirit of adoption Pastors were pastors. There were no moms and dads. There weren't, it, it wasn't really hurt. It wasn't really heard of. Now there are a lot of people that are beginning to understand this process of inheritance and sonship and ownership and an inheritance, right? But what I want to honor this house is that very rarely do I find sonship in one generation right? I very rarely find such ownership in a body where sonship is expressed once. In this house, we have like great, great, great grandbabies. The generations are beginning to multiply in a way that people are like, spiritual grandma, what are you talking about? How is that abnormal if you're understanding the concept of sonship that it wouldn't multiply? So I, I want I want to honor uh, I want to honor what it is that's going on in this house because when you talk about a wise son gives joy to his father, you begin to express it on earth when you honor the process in such a manner that presses you to walk that scripture out with him. It's one thing to read that and be like, oh yeah, I'm totally honoring the father because you're in it. It's you, me, myself, and I. Does that make sense? But all of a sudden you attach to something like a, a king giving advice to a son and raising sons into kingship. All of a sudden you're pressed into, am I bringing joy to a father? So, does that making sense? So when we're talking about these honor scriptures, there's an aspect to what it is that he's releasing on this earth. Amen. Um, all right. Number, the second one is Ephesians 4.32. I'm just going to give you guys these. It's already 8.15. Number three, did you guys get that? Ephesians 4.32. Number three is 1 John 4.20. Number four is Romans 12.10 through 20. I do want you guys just to put a little note here. Uh, the word persecute in that scripture is equal to run away. So just to put in context when we're talking about honor and I'm saying I'm walking towards honoring the process, typically what that scripture is talking about is persecution puts you in a, a trajectory of away from what it is that you should honor. Uh, fifth one, Hebrews 13, 17. And number six, John 13, 34 through 35. John 13. 34 through 35. So number one, I'll go through the top. Uh, first one is Proverbs 10, 1. Could do one and two. 
Number two is Ephesians 4, 32. Uh, one note, one side note for this Ephesians, one if you want to write it down, is the word kind in that scripture means mild, pleasant, and fit for use. Third one is 1 John 4.20. Fourth one is Romans 12, 10 through 20. Number five is Hebrews 13, 17. Number six is John 13, 34 through 35. Do you guys remember that trick when you're writing down scriptures, write the number first? So when I'm, re when I'm giving out scriptures, if you write the number first, your brain will remember the name, but it doesn't remember numbers. So when you're writing down John, you kind of forget the number that said, but if you write the number first, you'll usually remember the name that was given. So it's just a little trick when you're writing down scriptures and names. All right. How are you guys feeling? You guys ready to build the second floor? No? Yes. You can come on up here, Gabby. But that's good. I wrote this up here. Oh, honor, right? Didn't I say that you guys probably have a level of definition? Oh, yeah, I honor people. There's people, there's things, and huge is the process. And that process will lead to ownership. And that is going to be the foundation for what it is that's to come. I just, uh, there has been something that's been brewing in the back of my mind, and I don't know if it's because I'm supposed to release it or not, but I wanted to give you guys a, a picture of something, and I'm not quite sure how this ties in, but a shepherd that leads, the reason why I feel like he wants to give us this picture is when he said, but what about me? mentality. I want you to think about this. The good shepherd, I think it's Psalms 23. The good shepherd, a shepherd, you guys know this, right? They lead from behind and they do it through a sound. They they click, they'll take their staff, they'll hit, they'll 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 make noises, but they stay behind. And I want to release two things to you. Number 1, the lead sheep is the one that knows the sound. And then the sheep follow the lead sheep to turn in the direction that he's ticking to. Typically, I just want to release this over you guys really quick. The lead sheep is usually female. And I'm saying that because of everything that was released about what's to come in this next era with Ruach, because there's a sensitivity over the female sheep that is able to really listen to the sound of a shepherd more than any, more than, more than anything else. Okay. There's a nurturing in that lead that is able to follow a sound. Now here's why they move. This is the second thing I want to release over you. The reason why sheep move is if you stay in one place too long, you end up eating your own stuff. They have to move to a new pasture or else they will end up dying because they, they eat their own manure. <laughs> if you stay somewhere too long, you will end up residing there and getting sick. So the shepherd had to move the sheep to a new pasture. And of course they move together. But I want to release that picture over you when we're talking about honor because it is so easy to be a sheep and you're following and the moment you get triggered, but what I what about me? 
when you need to stay in stay in uh, in suit stay in line with what you're following to the sound that's behind knowing that what you're following is sensitive to the sound and to stay moving in that trajectory of honor because the moment you me the moment I go yeah but this ha and I'm coming at him like he's not the good shepherd and I'm focusing, I am disrupting the entire family so that I can focus on myself instead of trusting the process of what I'm being moved into and knowing that they're following a sound that's coming from behind. So I wanna release that picture over you as a family when we're moving and what happens when you begin to shift in, in a different direction than the rest of the family. Okay? Now, amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomheirsflag.org. Thank you.